So, yeah, we're, we're just talking about um, LeBron, who was caught at a party with Drake, the rapper, and some other people. And some That's people a crime in itself. Up. Exactly. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the he broke uh, COVID protocols. So I don't know what the pro COVID protocols are or whatever, but he was maskless. And the NBA is to chicken crap to suspend him because of their ratings are, are plummeting right now. So if he were to sit out game one or game two, you know, not only does that hurt their number one franchise, but you know, the viewers. Is that why he was half blind in the play-in game against the Warriors? Oh and- my gosh. Oh, I <laughs> cannot this, stand that guy. All of a sudden, I, can't, I, oh, I couldn't even see when I made yeah. that shot. Well, then you shouldn't have been playing because that's not a good thing. Don't like he he gets hit with a with a faux elbow, you know, a, a phantom elbow, and he goes down for the count as if he's in a, a heavyweight prize fighter bout. And then that one where where he got boxed out, I have no idea what happened. What did he say that his back hurt with did Chris Paul? His, no, when when Chris Paul boxed him out on that on that free on throw, that Chris Paul had his arm tangled up in his. He okay. he had him he had him wrapped up. Yeah, and he, he just did, he like he kind of fell. He was falling backwards. His feet weren't under him. Like yeah, that's gonna hurt. My issue was the rest what, of that what play. He, what did he claim was injured on his body? His ego. Okay, I don't know. That's a given. But I, he's he's he, he was, was looking like his shoulder, and Chris Paul weighs. Maybe a buck eighty. There's a literally ninety pound difference there, probably a hundred. And LeBron is on the floor on his back for like over a minute. Okay, so here's the thing. Welcome to this episode of Dad Bot History. But yes. um, here's the thing that I remember, and we've talked about this before, Cameron, at the office. And I think LeBron has always chased his flu game moment. Yeah, yeah. or Oh, more relevant to the Lakers, Kobe's Achilles moment. Right. Right. He's always right. been chasing that, like, he's going to overcome the pain. And he's going to overcome the adversity. And I, I'm not going to lie. He's probably one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Like, oh, he's yeah. a physical specimen. Yeah. But I he think he's always top 50, at least. In, oh, God, Eric. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think his, in his mind, from what I've seen, and I, I'll say I'm not an avid NBA fan, but I think he's always been chasing, well, if I want to be considered better than Kobe or better than Jordan, I have to have this special yeah. moment where I'm overcoming this great obstacle. And so in his mind, he's like, if I can take a mundane foul or injury and make it seem like it's worse than it is, that'll make me look more Jordan-esque or Kobe-esque in, in the eyes of history you, i guess you know what i think yeah. is very kobe-esque and jordan-esque staying with one team your whole career yep like that yeah. that's a kind of adversity to overcome or right? like, retiring trying out minor league baseball 
coming back and winning three more championships <laughs> and then going to play for like Washington for a while. That's the blueprint that LeBron needs to follow. It's the only way to surpass Jordan. Retire yep. and then come back. Yeah. I, I, I think LeBron is kind of. He's literally doing starting, a space jam remake. Listen, yeah. if his acting he's, he's starting is, is nearly as good grips. as his in-game acting, right. The exactly. film is going to be an Oscar winner. But I, I think he's starting to come to grips with, Hey, I'm in the twilight of my career. He's going to turn 37 in a few months here. And, you know, he's got a lot of miles on him and he wants so badly to get these, you know, swan song moments. And it's just, it's not happened for him. This is not the year. Everybody knows it. He's trying to force it. And of course, you know, I don't want him to lay over and die and, you know, not try to win, obviously, but I just feel like he's he's trying too hard. And this is this is what I always say about him is he cares so much. He tries to act like he doesn't care what people think about him, but he cares so much. And it's just it's disingenuous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big LeBron guy. I'm not a LeBron hater, though. Like, but then he's got these moments where I'm like, really, man, like that's that's how we're, we're reacting to the situation. Yeah. And I don't know. And, and I don't blame him for chasing rings in Miami because it wasn't happening in Cleveland. Like that, that doesn't really bother me at all. That didn't I don't even blame him for going back to Cleveland. Yeah. It, that doesn't because if, if ownership isn't doing what you need it to do to win a championship, then you need to go where ownership's going to do. And Miami was the team for him to go to. So that, right. that didn't bother me at all. But I don't know. After he came back to Cleveland, and even after he won that one, there's just something like, like LeBron was basically the GM of the team. Yeah. I guess that's where it bothered me. That's where I'm like. And, and when he won the championship in Cleveland, he is an ugly crier. Like if you want a list of, <laughs> of all time, ugly criers, he's right there, is he? man. Oh, yes. It was hideous. It's just, yeah. it's not a good look for him. You know? Yeah, we get well, it. We, you won a championship in your, in your hometown, but you, you have an ugly cry, dude. So you're saying he, you know, he shouldn't be the GM or he's acting like the GM, but isn't that kind of what some of the criticism in Green Bay over Aaron Rodgers is? That like they didn't bother to. I was wondering check if you were going to turn him. the conversation to that. <laughs> and I, I, <laughs> I, I've been yeah. sitting on my my opinion on this for weeks, and it shifted a bit since news first broke. But you're right, uh, Aaron Rodgers feels like he's entitled. I don't know, not to be the GM, but he feels like he's entitled to a heads up on any personnel moves by the GM. Would you say that he is entitled to that? I mean, is I, that the position of any player or are there some players that, yeah, like this is a franchise guy. We should maybe check in with him and be like, what, here's what we're thinking going forward. We think this is the amount of time you got left or we're not including you because. Here's what I know about Aaron Rodgers and is he's always been like this. And, you know, people say, oh, the chip on his shoulder, fine, I don't care. But he's always been this kind of guy who feels slighted. And so I think had Gutekust gone to Aaron Rodgers before the draft. That's the said, GM? Yeah, that's the new GM. That's Brian Gutekust. It's very European, um, very <laughs> Eastern European. Um, and uh, and had he gone to Aaron Rodgers and said, hey, there's a chance I trade up 
to get a quarterback. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers, maybe he would have felt a little bit better about it, but I don't know if he would have felt that much better about it. Um, and then one of the other complaints Rodgers had was when uh, one day a year or so ago, he was talking about Jake Kumaro from UW-Whitewater, who mm-hmm. um, he who was like a training camp spring uh, preseason hero, you know, but he never materialized in the regular season. But Aaron Rodgers liked him and Aaron Rodgers was talking about how he liked him. And then the next day, the Packers cut him on their final cutdown day. And so I guess he was upset about that, too. And it's like, OK, I, I guess I get it. But Jake Kumaro isn't doing anything in Buffalo like he's not a good receiver. As much as you may have liked him, he hasn't made the jump to the NFL yet. And he hasn't done it. You know, he's not an NFL caliber receiver. So I think that's why you don't let players be GMs. Now you say, well, maybe he needs a heads up. But I think if you give even if he is your star player, if you give him too much um, influence, he'll sabotage your franchise, which you could say is exactly what LeBron did in Cleveland um, because he got the coach there fired and then he left anyway. And now Cleveland is what? They're back to being Cleveland. They aren't a contender. They're not built to compete year in and year out. So I could say the Packers, you know, for all their faults, are an annual contender every year the Packers have a chance and that's because the Packers don't let your Hall of Fame star quarterback make personnel decisions yeah I and I respect that that opinion like I I think it's a well thought out opinion you know there's a lot to be said for having a, a competitive team every year year in year out but you know and you Jake you and I have gone back and forth on this but you're, you're more of a purist, like a team guy, um, over the years, you know, and we use basketball an example because they're, it's the most individually driven star sport out of all of them. But I feel like a guy like that, you know, the old adage in sports is you treat everybody fair, but you treat some guys a little more fair than others. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. He makes 35 million or whatever. He's second or third best quarterback in the game, hands down. He's won a lot of games for for Green Bay. And, you know, if if he doesn't feel like the franchise is doing what's going to put him in the best position, I mean, he's the, he's the starting quarterback. He's going to have some opinions about that. You don't have to do everything that he says, but I think they owe him the courtesy of running things by him. It's, it's, it's less of an employee employer relationship, like, you know, working a, a nine to five job, but he, he's, he's not the guy at the end of the day, but yeah, you got to at least run that stuff by him. He's, he's earned the right. I guess. I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's some nuance there with, with Rogers because, you know, the past, before this season, his past three seasons weren't that good. Now, was he still better than most quarterbacks in the NFL? Yeah, but he wasn't throwing up the numbers that he used to. I mean, he had like 26 touchdowns one season. Wasn't he the MVP last year? Yeah, so before last year, the three seasons before that, mm. he wasn't putting up great numbers. And so people are like, well, is he not the same Aaron Rodgers? And, 
in those three years, they fired McCarthy, probably because Rogers wanted them to, because apparently he hated McCarthy. They replaced the GM from Ted Thompson to Gutekunst. They redid the whole structure of the organization, all in an effort to make Aaron Rodgers happy. Now they mm-hmm. didn't brief him on the love draft. And I get that, but he was also in 2005 drafted to replace Brett Favre, who is another hall of fame quarterback. And Brett Favre played three more seasons with the Packers before he finally retired and then unretired and went to the jets. So I, I think if anybody knows what position Jordan Love is in and knows how the Packers operate shouldn't be that taken aback that they would draft your potential replacement. But I do get it. He is Aaron Rodgers and maybe a heads up would have helped, but I I don't know how much it would have helped. If he said, hey, we're going to possibly draft a quarterback in the first round. He says, well, I don't like that. And then Brian Gutekun says, well, we're still probably going to draft a quarterback in the first round, even if you don't like it. Yeah. So I, I, he's just the epitome of a guy that's super talented that, you know, he, he looks awesome on a stat sheet, awesome, you know, throwing the ball, but just overachieves or underachieves, excuse me, for whatever reason, you know, I, I don't like his body language in games, you know, anybody drops a ball, he's throwing his hands up and, uh, and hanging his head. So he, he's yeah. probably not a good leader. And yeah, you know, it's, it, it's complicated for sure. He's, he's definitely not one of my favorite players, but man, that guy can. Well, and I think unfairly or not, he's going to always be compared to Tom Brady. Yeah. And Tom Brady is, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a better Rodgers. Yeah. Just Aaron Rodgers is everywhere. a better quarterback. Like he is a more talented quarterback than Tom Brady. But Tom Brady's got seven rings now because Tom Brady is the consummate team guy. Mm -hmm. And he's had the benefit of being under the Bill Belichick system for 20 years. But Tom Brady, you know, when you, everybody talks about how great of a team and remember Tam Bruce. So he's just fired up. He's just excited about his team, you know, (laughs) shout out to Dan. Even Even when Tom Brady yells at his teammates, He's doing it in a more supportive way than Aaron Rodgers, who just looks upset and annoyed. So I, I don't know. And then you got Peyton Manning, who might be the nicest man alive, and, yeah. and Drew Brees, who apparently is just a, a locker room hero. You know, these are all Hall of Famers that Rodgers is compared to. And and part of Rodgers' knock is that his attitude, be it true or not, doesn't come across the same way as like a Brady or a Manning or a Brees. So, right. right. I don't know. Well, I think his anyway. his State Farm commercial with Paul Rudd might be the That's most excellent. One. Yeah, Pat Mahomes and uh, and Aaron Rodgers and their stunt doubles, just fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Rudd just nails it. It's like looking As in he... a mirror. Whoop! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so good. Every time I see that commercial, I laugh. I cannot help it. My wife. Thinks I've lost my mind because uh, just about so anything funny. Paul Red does makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Some about that guy's face. He's got. A, he does not have a punchable face. <laughs> He's got the opposite of a punchable face. <laughs> All right. What is that? Kissable. Easy. Oh, very kissable. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 
<laughs> That's not even a question. So, so I I think this is just going to qualify as a dad bot after dark. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, we didn't yeah, prep we're, for much. We're into it now. So, well, let's before we get any farther. Mm. Dadbot History is brought to you by Trans World Business Advisors. If you own your own business, then you know the challenges of dealing with employees, customers, social media, government regulations, and the rest mm. of it. Ooh. With the pandemic coming to an end, we're going to have to change that, that copy because the pandemic's darn near over now, at least in America. Um, there are America. hundreds of buyers. America. <laughs> Hundreds of buyers coming into the marketplace looking for existence, existing businesses to buy. Take it away, Eric or Cameron. So if you are ready oh, to cash out, you need to call Trans World Business Advisors today. They have a database loaded with interested buyers and have over 40 years of experience in the industry. They will guide you through setting a price for your business. They have a database with sales data from tens of thousands of sold businesses and they know the market price for your listing. Transworld Business Advisors will find qualified buyers with their extensive reach and market leading advertising. Transworld will ensure that the closing process goes as it should. And when you leave the closing table, you will get paid and be free from liability and responsibility. If you are a buyer, Transworld can help you as well from evaluating a business to helping with funding. They're there for you all the way to your first day as the owner of your own business. Call today and set up a discreet and confidential consultation with a local representative. You can reach out to Jeff Peterson at 903-422-6818 or you can go to www.tworld.com. Again, that's tworld.com. Dot com. Nailed okay, it. so oh, that was good. That was tight, guys. But I was watching. So this is the story of my life. I watch shows ten years after they come out. So I've been watching a lot of Arrested Development lately. And <laughs> as you as we were reading the copy, all that came in my mind is when Job does his magic. He always plays the final countdown in the background. I feel like we should, we should do that when we read the copy. Can we, can you put that in or do we have to pay for rights to that? For that music? Probably. Yeah. Dang I'll get it. dinged. Can I just sing it next time while you guys I, read? Sure. I mean, you just did. Just okay. play that back in a loop <laughs> behind it's the final <clears throat> You remember the, Jake, that reminds me, and we can't say his name, but uh, do you remember that student whose name you sung to that song, the final com countdown? Uh, he's in high school now, so he's he's not yet 18. His sister is graduating this year. His older sister. Text me, because no, I don't remember. Text it to me. All right, I'll text you. He's not 18 yet, so we can't say his name. Yeah. All right. It's safe. That better be Dang. safe. You know what happened? We we graduated eighth graders this past week. And like that night, I had a bunch of follow requests on Instagram. I was like, all right. Yeah. As long as yeah. you're not a student, that's fine. I don't post anything offensive there. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that, Jake? <laughs> and he loved it. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Turn 18 soon so I can sing that song uh, again. Yeah, that was one of your better nicknames. You had you had several of them, but that that was right up there. 
<laughs> so instead of final countdown, it was that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's pretty excellent. And he loved it. He is the consummate. I mean, because he was one of my kids that I, the first graders that I would do PE with. Yeah. And he was like the kind of kid you saw. Oh him, like, my gosh. That he's going to so... be a football player. Yeah. Like everything Good about him was built. Yeah, to play football. Uh-huh. Oh man! And I think he's like a three-sport athlete now. Like I'm he's not surprised by that at all. Killing it. Is he in National Honor Society or math Probably. club? Probably. Yeah. All right. Can't hit a kick and do it all. I'm so excited. All right, turn eighteen. <laughs> yeah, my. Um, speaking of that, my last uh, group of fourth graders is graduating this year. So. Oh, yeah. it, it's cool to see, you know, all the Facebook notes and I've gotten a couple invites to graduations and that kind of thing. And it's just mm-hmm. cool to see those kids that, you know, you saw as 10 year olds getting ready to succeed and graduate at this high level and go to this great school and get yeah. a scholarship. And it's, yeah, it's really cool to see that makes me you miss. Know, te- I was going to say, you know, when I, I shouldn't have said that. Just kidding. Uh, uh, we, we have an opening if you want to <laughs> come on out here. I, I, I especially miss teaching this time of year from like now until you mean the, the week after graduation. August. Yeah, that's that's when I miss it the most. <laughs> Up until the last week of August. Right? Yeah. So you get that 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 yeah. three months is the best part of teaching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got an so opening? We're going to do. Um, yeah, you interested? Tales from the dad front because I've got several that are pretty dang funny. Let's do it. Okay, I'm gonna lead with uh, with the best one, and it's so random and so out of nowhere that you know you got to you got to start strong. Again, three or four of these are good, but this one was just so out of left field. I, I was literally flabbergasted. And you guys know when I say that word, I don't use flabbergasted lightly. Yeah, it's big time. So there I was. I was at the park with the kids, and, and we. Uh, I feel like we spend half our lives there. Um, so we're there a lot. And this new kid in the neighborhood, so she's a nine-year-old, um, just kind of rolls up on her bike. And my son and I are running laps, as we are wont to do often. And she's like, what are you doing? And my son, um, you know, is trying to do the math on the, the feelings thing and all that. Um, so he has autism. So he was kind of taken aback too. <clears throat> He's trying his best to read the situation. And he looks at me, he says, dad, is she mad at us? I said, I don't know, ask her. And he says, um, are you mad at us? She's like, try me. Like, out of nowhere, she just shows up with the try me. And I said, okay, you know, let's, let's kind of go do something else. And I, I try to ignore her. Um, so we finish our running laps and my son and I go over and we will, you know, I like to do pull-ups at the, I'm one of those embarrassing dads. I'll do pull-ups on the, on the monkey bars. Oh, that's awesome. The girl, the girl comes up to me and says, oh, my brother can do way more pull-ups than you can. Like, first of all, she doesn't know that that's like my favorite thing. I, I feel like I'm I'm pretty good at, at pull-ups. So I take offense and I'm like, I don't think so, but okay. <laughs> and, Get him out and, here. 
what she seriously, I'm, I'm ready to go toe to toe with this nine year old. Nice. Here's what she tells me. She looks me in the eye, straight face. She says, fight me. I double dog dare you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So it's I've a been good thing tonight on ABC News. Seriously. It's a good thing. A 35 year old man is going to prison for assaulting a nine year old girl. Well, hold on. The double dog dare rules apply. If she'd gone triple dog dare, camera would have had no choice. And that would have held up in a court of law. So I'm sure of it. So I'm, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm an education educator for years. I feel like I've dealt with my share of, you know, snot nosed kids. And I said, where are your parents? They're not here. Okay. All right. So I kind of diffuse and, and try to walk away. And I go over to my daughters who are just playing in the sandbox over there. And I said, I don't want you playing with that girl. <laughs> and she comes over and she's like, hey, can I play? And, you know, luckily it was time for us to go home at that point. So, you know, this little girl, she's coming at me. And then you want to play with my daughters? No, it's not going to work today. Fight me so, for the right to play with my daughters. Here's my question. What what would you you guys are quick witted and dealt with kids a lot. What would you have said there? I think Jake would have just laughed. Yeah. I, I can't I mean, see she Jake. She comes doing at me and it. says, My brother can do more pull-ups than you. I would just go, okay, well, <laughs> that's fine. Come on over, bro. Where is he? But <laughs> I, I don't know what else he'd say. And if she's like, fight me. <laughs> I, yeah. I would just I just walk away. Like I this isn't worth my time. That's so weird though. Like I, I thought she was joking, but like she she stared me in the eye as she saw it, as she said. I mean, maybe that maybe that nine-year-old seen some stuff. Like I, I think don't, I don't know her the, life story. The pull-up challenge, first of all, it wouldn't happen because I wouldn't be on the pull-ups. Um, but you know, with the challenge, I'd probably be like, Yeah, you know what? You might be right. Your brother might be able to do more than me. If she said fight me, I'd have to be like Minimum 10 grand to step in the ring is my fee. So sorry. There you go. Yeah. Have your agent call my agent until then. That's good. Because you can kind of like condescend her at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well done. Use the tools that I'm legally able to use in that situation. Condescension. (laughs) I love love that we're thinking of responses to burn a nine-year-old girl. Like that's the best part is that we're like, how can we humiliate her? I'm not going to let her talk to me like that. <laughs> and I, I ran this by my brother-in-law. We were over at their house for a barbecue tonight. And I ran this by my brother-in-law. And I'm like, yeah, do you have any sick burns for me? And he's like, I don't know, man. I got nothing. Maybe ask where her parents are. But that, what are you going to say to a nine-year-old? And she Yeah, but your it. brother-in-law has not been in the classroom a lot. So I think the three of us have enough. We have those tools in our tool belt to yeah. come up with quick way responses to minors. Yeah, I, w- I was at a loss this time. I, I feel like she defeated me. So next time I'm going to come up with a zinger. There's a Seinfeld episode Ooh. about, you know, the the fish in the sea called or whatever. They're running out of you. I, yeah. The jerk store. Yeah, we need to come up with like a jerk store line for this nine-year-old. And Oh, Yeah. That one's going to sting. She's going to be, be so sweet. Yeah. She's going to be fuming. Now, here's my question. And here's where it could be awkward is if, you know, 
next year she ends up in one of your kids' classes. <laughs> yeah, about to interact. Oh, with yeah. this is a kid I got into it with last summer. That's not a. Oh, sorry. And that's the thing is like I don't know. Oh, if you guys this have is a group a, project. A new yeah. kid in the neighborhood. I've never seen her. We've been in this neighborhood eleven years now, and we are there literally almost every weekend. I've never seen this kid. So maybe maybe she's just from another neighborhood. Maybe she's maybe operating what? like prison rules from another. And neighborhood. she's like. You pick up you pick a fight with the biggest guy. Cameron's literally yeah. the biggest guy. And that way you kind of like exert dominance over the playground. She's, she's Japan. You know, she's she's the the little imperialist country. I like it. I like it. You're making a around. reference to our previous series. Great so is she so gonna Japanese defeat war. you in a series of different battles yeah. on land yeah. and sea? Well, and you're well, just gonna falter. To splash she already did it. She already did the sneak attack on Port Arthur. He's he's already been stunned. So. She's just gonna work on your ankles and knees and yeah, <laughs> yeah, slowly just, chip them away. Yeah, yep. yeah. Right. So that's a, I, too good not to share that one. That's um, and and the other one I wanted to share with you guys. I I, I told you I've got a couple, but um, I got one more. So I have been fond of telling my stories about battles with my children recently. And, you know, the little, um, you know, disciplinary things that we go through and very seldom do I look cool as a parent. So I don't want to miss and lead anybody. Like I'm just this genius parent that always knows the right way to do things and the right thing to say. So, um, you know, you have your highs and lows of parents and this parenting, this was a particularly just rough week. It was the end of the school year. Um, it's just been a long year. My kids have been online, um, for since the beginning of all this. And, you know, the, the academic deadline was Friday for my son. So everybody's just kind of on edge. I've been busy at work, all this stuff. And my low point as a parent of the week is, you know, we're sitting down for a late dinner. Like it's, it's a few minutes shy of eight o'clock, just one of those days. The table is not set and we just kind of sit in silence. And I, I have to take a Barbie, a stack of Barbies, not just one Barbie, but a stack of Barbies off the dining room table onto the floor and I kick aside some crayons that are on the floor and I'm just like, I, I did not win parenting today. And I just ate my food all sad saying, yep, the kids got the best of mom and dad today. So, you know, sometimes I'm it witty. Happens. Sometimes I, I come up with the right thing, but today or, or that day was, was not my day. Well, that's okay, man. I mean, you gotta, you gotta know, you gotta know your losses yeah. so you can, you can get back at it next time. You've got to know when to hold them, right? Know when to hold right. them. <laughs> Songs no coming up a lot in our, uh, in our talks, no but, but yeah, I just, I didn't want our listeners to come away thinking that I was some perfect dad because that is absolutely not the case. Well, that's good because I've been getting a lot of fan mail in regards to that. Like, you, could you, Cameron be a better dad? Like, why are you telling me? Yeah. <laughs> well, we could go. Uh, my son had a birthday party to go to. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we saw the invitation, we were stoked. It was going to be a Nerf War birthday party. Mm-hmm. So uh, we drove out to this park. 
loaded up his uh, semi-automatic Fortnite rifle that's battery powered. Whoa. You like hold a button and it winds up a gear and then it's just a boom, boom, boom. And, uh, you know, pack some extra batteries and all this kind of stuff. So we get out there and there's a bunch of these other first graders. There's a couple of sixth graders who are like an older brother of the, the birthday mm-hmm. kid. Okay. And they took over this park and my son was leading charges over a hill. You know, let's go get them squad, move out, all this kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> uh, they, they finally did first graders versus like the, the three sixth graders and they successfully held on to a playground structure against, you know, insurmountable odds. Held the line. And then the dads got involved, which was actually a ton of fun. Um, I was just like, what a great idea for a party. Yeah. Sit at the picnic tables and just bring your Nerf guns and we're just going to blast each other for two hours. It was That's cool. fantastic. That's awesome. And I bet he was exhausted and he slept like a baby. Oh, they were just, they didn't want to stop. But then there was a cleanup part. And suddenly the boys were like, oh, I'm tired. I'm like, no, let's go pick up the bolts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's but, a really, I haven't heard of a party like that. That's really cool. So I, a couple of weeks ago, I went to camp with our seventh graders. We went to this camp in the mountains for a week. It's kind of our class trip. A ton of fun. And Jake, you know what we did? No, Cameron, you know, we used to do a camp at the beginning yeah. of the school year. And so I get an email the other night from one of the parents. And she's like, hey, we're going to have this. We got this event coming up. Uh, it involves uh, some of the incoming seventh graders. And then they added on some incoming eighth graders to mm. get this group. And we thought it'd be fun if a bunch of you adults like showed up and cameoed. We're doing paintball Monday morning. And I was like, yes, I'm so stoked. I'm like, I'm doing this. I'm, oh, this is what I need. Like, I just need to go at these kids with paintball. And then I look at the, the day and I look at the time. And the next email that came through in the thread was from my my boss. He's like, I'm sorry. We have, we have teacher meetings that morning. Boom. And I'm like, oh, Boom. you're killing me. So that's tomorrow. So I'll know that while I'm sitting in meetings, I could be mm-hmm. shooting paintballs at seventh and eighth grade boys, which would what be was so the, therapeutic. What was the time lapse between email one and your boss responding? I, you know, I honestly don't know. The emails came after I'd gone to sleep. So I woke up the next morning and saw them. Mm-hmm. And then I responded with, this was a roller coaster of emotions for me reading these emails. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I'm just so... I'm still in that phase. I know it's happening tomorrow and I won't be there. Bums me out. So I've got two and on a ping- Monday of all things too. Ouch. Well, two I mean, all things makes sense that an adult works on a Monday, but when we did it at Alpine, that was probably one of my favorite days ever when we did the paintball oh my gosh, at so Camp good. Alpine. Such a great course too. It was an awesome course. And on I remember a mountain. So Jeff's son, Jack, he was awesome. And he was Raptor and he did a, a great job at the paintball. And I think he led us to victory there. Probably. But I remember one of, one of the. Help that Jessica shot me in the back. Yeah. Minutes. Your team was not as good, but I remember this is one time, Gosh. one of the rounds, I think it was capture the flag. And I had to, 
you know, we were trying to make our advance. And so I snuck up around a hill and I saw, I think it was like Emily, Ariel, Elizabeth, like those girls all like in a little bunker hiding. And so I ran up on them and I, I, I got behind them and I said, surrender, right? The rules, if you say surrender, you got to give them a chance to surrender. But if they try to to, to fight or to shoot back, you can, you can shoot him. I said, surrender. And, it, and I think one of them turned around and tried to shoot me. And I said, pop, 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 pop. And I lit them all up, like go down. And then I ran, grabbed the flag and, and we won that round, but it was incredible. Um, and then another year, I think it was the, a year later, we did um, paintball at the paintball course in Tempe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was just like a night out, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was one of just the night out. And so it was whoever wanted to could go. And one of our former students, her dad went with us, Abe. Abe. Oh, yeah. And, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I was the last one from my team in there with against him. And he was just like. It Unstoppable. Was like a, it was like a horror movie watching. Like, <laughs> I just because it was uh, it was like. I think it was called Terminator. And so basically it didn't matter how many times you got shot. Right. You didn't go out until you gave up. Yeah. And I just oh. kept shooting him and he just kept walking towards me. Slowly. He didn't care. Yeah. And he just, bam, 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 <laughs> yeah, I was in, the, in a similar like, situation. Go down. And, and eventually I'm shooting and I'm out of ammo, but I keep pulling the trigger, hoping that it scares him. And then I'm like, wait, I'm not getting shot. I'm like, are you out? And he goes, yeah, I've been out for a while. I'm like, Oh, thank God. And like, People <laughs> surrendered together. It was one of the scariest moments of my life. Because I, I might have been the fourth or the third last person in there, probably behind you two and maybe one other. Yeah. And he turned a corner and came at me and I and I shot at him, but then I like fell backwards onto my back. And mm-hmm. so I was shooting between my knees at him and oh, it nice. wasn't working. And finally I'm just like, he's not going down. I, I'm out. Yeah. Like you're hitting yeah. me where I don't need to be hit. Uh <clears throat> let's just be done here. Oh, and man. uh yeah, that was so much fun. So I learned I'm a lot about myself because I realized I'm not combat ready. As much as I like to think I'd be this great warrior, I was terrified as Gabe just is Abe just slowly walked towards <sighs> yeah, me. Yeah, it's <laughs> there's an intensity to it. Well, yeah, when we were at Alpine, I remember we had started the match. They blew the whistle. Uh, my wife was wearing like a vest, like a journalist vest or press. Yeah, she was she, an embed. She yeah, had, had a camera. I'm like, do not shoot my. $600 camera. And we started the game. Not your wife. I, don't shoot your camera. Right. So <laughs> we start working our way up the hill towards Raptor. And all of a sudden I feel this ping in my back and I'm like, Raptor is up the hill. Like, and I turn and I see Jessica standing there like, and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was so frustrated because I think that was going to be our last game. And I'm like, we're no. gonna, we gotta take out Raptor. Like, I think we've got a good plan. She, she hits for me in the sure back. won some money on that. Somebody oh my paid gosh. her off. I was so frustrated off. with her. Yes. <sighs> and I walked back, like just glaring. I'm like, I know you're one of my students, but I'm not happy with you right now. Uh, yeah. She was court martialed after that, wasn't she? Drummed out of the service. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no. Understandable. Mm. Oh man, gosh. That was a good, that was awesome. I'm sorry that you can't go to paintball tomorrow because that's a way better way to spend yeah. your day than teacher meetings. Oh no, for the record, everything about teacher meetings is just fantastic. 
Oh yeah, no, teacher meetings is great. Yeah, great. Uh-huh. Actually, well, we get lunch, so I'm happy about that. Really? Yeah. Okay. As my administrator says, he's he's always wondering. Is it like Little Caesars hot and ready's, or is it like? Oh no, it's usually pretty good, good lunch, catered okay. food. He, the question is always who is going to throw the grenade in the room, meaning who's going to who's going to throw out that question that derails everything and drags us out for thirty minutes down a rabbit hole or into the weeds. And I know so, we used to always have this, right? Somebody would oh be yeah. like, "Well, what about the?" But I, I think it's different at at my current school. These are legitimate questions that people have legitimate concerns about, and they're not frivolous, but they're like. It, it just derails the the because our meetings are pretty focused, right? So mm-hmm. I think at our at the school that three of us taught at, people would just ask questions just yeah. left and right, almost like they wanted the meetings to go on longer. But well, what if somebody whenever whenever the a internet, question starts with what on your if? computer, yeah. What if somebody deletes the internet? Well, then the world's going to fall apart. I don't know what to <laughs> tell you. So <laughs> whenever a question starts with a what if in that kind of mm. setting, it's just bound to go sideways. And didn't you always love in those meetings where we'd be looking and like, everybody's like, kind of like yep. eyeing each other, like who, who's, who's going to do it? Do and it, then do you it. see that, you see it, put their hand, put it down. Like, and everybody knows it's happening. Yeah. <sighs> oh, man. Well, yeah, I mean, I get it. That's, that's good that the meetings are productive, but, um, Hopefully you don't have any grenade throwers tomorrow. So it's nice and tight. My, my wife is, is one of a handful of people that throws a grenade. And I'm not saying it, that they're not things that we need to talk about. It's just the things that they like derail and get people a little bit amped up. But, but you know, I mean, when she throws them out, she's usually right in her point that she's making. But when she does it, I'm sitting next to her. I'm like, I want to move tables. <laughs> what, are, what are the other guys we teach with every once in a while something will happen and the junior high teachers kind of sit together and he'll get up and move to another table he's like i don't i don't want to be lumped in yeah <laughs> guilt by association yeah one of the um i don't know if it was rick morris or fred jones but one of the teaching classes or whatever we did um i remember reading somewhere that saying when you when you, after you're done teaching a lesson and you're opening it up to questions, basically tell the class how many questions you're going to allow. So you say, all right, we got time for three questions. Mm-hmm. First question, go. And then that way the audience, or in this case, the teachers would know there's an end to how many questions are going to get asked. So I can't just <laughs> ask a bunch of questions. So which I think some people do and right. And they always say teachers are also the worst students. They are. And we kind of, we slip into our own worst habits when it's when the roles are reversed. So, anyway. so how how long do your postseason meetings go, Eric? Is it going to be all week, or is it going to be two weeks, or what? I mean, no, no. Well, I, I th- we got the agenda today, and we'll meet for <clears throat> maybe two two and a half hours tomorrow morning. And then we'll have lunch and then the rest of the day is given over to here are the tasks that you need to complete this week, mm-hmm. you know, inventory and cleaning and all that stuff <clears throat> do by the end of the week, schedule a checkout meeting, that kind of stuff. And then 
there's meetings scheduled for the next day, uh, which are articulation meetings, basically meet with grade levels below and above you and go over what worked. It's not, it's not like here are the students coming up. It's more of here's what we did. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't work. Here's a curriculum that we maybe didn't get deep enough into or things that went really, you know, so that, you know, I'll have one meeting where I'm listening to sixth grade teachers describe what they did this year and how it worked and that kind of stuff. And another one where I'm doing the same thing for eighth grade teachers and prepping them. Uh, So it's just a communication point between grade levels. Um, And that's different than like meetings the following the beginning of next year, where we'll actually talk about the students in the classes and give them information that they need for students and all that kind of, you know, accommodations or any of those, those more formal things with students. So, yeah, Yeah. Hmm. I I think our meetings are, are really well run. They don't take a long time. We don't spend much time on calendar at all. Thank the Lord. Um, (laughs) Just, just send me an email. You know, I don't need it all. Dress code are the two. We, we still get into the weeds on dress code sometimes. And that's, a, that's a tricky one. That is the dumbest conversation in the world to me. Yeah. I, well, uh, don't get me started. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what they look like. It's not particularly exciting, but it's also like a nice time to sit down with other adults for once. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I can, uh, I can attest to that for sure. And then what are you doing? You're, you're getting ready to move after that, right? Yeah. I'm trying not to think about that too much. That's I did. Right. I moved a bunch of stuff today into a storage unit, like a, a shelving thing. It's just, it's a big old process and it's, it's just so, stressful. Refresh our memory for the for the viewers. You got to be in a new place by by well, first. I'm, I'm waiting on waiting on the owners of where we live now to actually get back to us and say, yeah, they'll let us out early. But at the same time, to let us out early, they wanted to know we had another place. So I'm like, well, we got another place. Can we get out early? And they're not getting back. It's it's frustrating. Okay. So you know, things will work out. I'm not. I'm stressed about it, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. In terror. I mean, what's the worst that happens? It takes them a year to evict somebody. So in the great state of California. It's true. Can you, can you cite a heart, uh, a COVID hardship or whatever? Are they still doing that in California? No idea. Maybe. Oh, the moratorium. Yeah. Yeah. But that just means they can't issue evictions for past rent past two. But if I, you know, I, I guess if I just continued to pay rent and be like, I don't want to leave <laughs> <laughs> the, the process to actually like evict somebody is a long process in California mm. and it's in favor of the occupant. So, mm. but I don't, I don't plan on doing anything unethical. So. 
That's funny. I'm I'm trying to remember back, and this was years ago, 15, so it was 17 years ago, we got evicted from our apartment. And I remember that happening swiftly. I mean, we had a party one weekend, next weekend we were out and our credit was shredded and, and all of this. Um, but that was 17 years ago and I was in college and didn't know any better. So yeah, I'm, and you're coming out to Phoenix, Eric. When? At some point, at some point this summer, we'll see. Okay. Okay. We don't have specific dates, but cool. we'll come out at some point, hang out. You know what? So I was, uh, I was at camp and I was talking to a, uh, a coworker that was with us and, and she was also saying she's going to be headed out to Mesa, her son has like some swim meet or something. And she's asking, what are some good restaurants? And I was trying to come up with like, well, what are the, like the local places? And then I realized, you know, out here in Bakersfield, we don't have all the chains. So I was like, well, you've got to go to Culver's. Mm. We don't have that out here. <laughs> but Not then I was like, what's Arizona like Culver's. And then I was like, well, you know, maybe I got a, like a Filibertos because we don't have those in Bakersfield that I know of. We have a place that's kind of like it, but you look very skeptical. Dozen, man. That's crappy Mexican food. Filibertos? Take that back. Yeah. You whatever, man. When you first moved into your house and we helped you do the... That's what he got for us? The pergola. It's no, you bought us <laughs> Filibertos. So don't... <laughs> I didn't know that everybody was so high on it then. It's, it's uh, so good. When when Nick and I, when I came out to Arizona last month and Nick had come out from Hawaii and he, yeah. and he had been there for the weekend, I was there for the day. Apparently the first thing he asked for when he got off the plane was Filibertos. Wow. Asked my sister, he's like, you gotta take me to Filibertos. That's all I need right now. But Hawaii has like no good Mexican food. Um, so it's funny because... Filiberto's is not my favorite Mexican restaurant in Phoenix, but there, you know, the, there's this like great schism of the Bertos in the Valley, <laughs> yeah. right? There's Filiberto's, Alberto's, Polibertos. So Polibertos is my favorite. I'm sure it's the exact same menu, but maybe for whatever reason, they didn't wash the grill. Polibertos always tastes better. I don't know why or how, but I, I always <laughs> thought it was better. Than so there Polibertos. was, there was one right around the corner from uh, our condo. And when my wife was pregnant with our first two, I was there every other night and it was open all hours. So I could grab a bean and cheese burrito for her. It was so easy. No line, middle of the night. It was awesome. But so I, I, I tried to recommend Makayos, but then I was informed by my family and my wife. Uh, Makayos is not owned by the same people anymore. Mm. It's been corporately taken over. So then I remembered Los Olivos, which is something my parents go to in Scottsdale. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I absolutely love it. And do you know what does not exist outside Arizona? Huh? Cheese crisps. Really? That's an Arizona thing. Really? And I didn't, I realized, I, well, I was at the dentist here in California and the dentist told me uh, for whatever reason, he's like, he went to ASU and he told me that. I'm like, you're kidding me. He's like, no, no, seriously. I'm like, 
So I started to look through menus in California of Mexican restaurants. No such thing as cheese crisp. It's an Arizona delight. Because a cheese crisp is And they're hard to make. Are they? Yeah. Because they're an open-faced quesadilla. Yeah, but you have to crisp the tortilla before you put the cheese on. And I, I'm, I'm struggling to get it right without burning the case, burning the, the tortilla or keep making it too soft. Like it's done. They have it down to a science. Yeah. But once you get the right temperature, once you try it a couple of times and yeah, I know, but yeah. it's not something that restaurants do in California or anywhere outside of Arizona. So I remember when we went to, was it on the border mm-hmm. when I first moved down to Arizona we would go there. You, I, your wife and I would go yeah, there pretty frequently, it. and we'd get. I felt like we'd get cheese crisps there, but we'd also get the fresh made guacamole, guacamole live. Yeah, guacamole live. That's what it was. And, and your wife was like, "They make it right in front of you." I'm like, I don't even know what guacamole is. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, do you not understand what state I moved from? Like, I don't, I don't know what this is, but. <laughs> It's, but she, it was good. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't well, bad. And she, just... she had a good point and why I would pay an extra six or $7 for it. Uh, if you just ordered guacamole, it came out cold, which means it had been, it was sitting in refrigeration, right? But mm-hmm. if they made it, it, it was warm. It was room temperature, which is perfect for guacamole. So. Oh yeah. She had a good point. Um, I, is, here, here's a question. Is uh, Oregon right Stop now. Pizza still around oh, that would be a, a good, good recommendation right you're the one who lives in arizona i that'd don't go good. to that part of town anymore that'd be a good Whoa. local let's look it up real quick i'm working on it because that's i mean that's one of those where there's an open too. open monday four there you go i've never that's been there arizona. everyone tells me it's like great i don't understand but it was good pizza we did a dining for dollars there once hmm you and there's oh no i did go that's right and there's very yeah. few places that you can like go and have an experience anymore you know it's mm-hmm. it, where it's more than food and i feel like that's that's one of them yeah orchid stop was good but you're right like some of the other phoenix restaurants like durant's is closed yeah and monty's is closed oh monty's what about so um and this isn't family friendly at all, but one of my cooler dining experiences, and I think we did it for an anniversary, uh, the Compass Restaurant in downtown Phoenix that spins. Yeah, at the top of the building, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, on top of one of the one of the um, major hotels or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, 15, 20 floors up there. It's not family, but it's pretty cool. You know, you can read about the little sites and, you know, oh, here's here's Chase Field and here's Talking Stick Arena and whatever. You know, if you want someone to just go local, just have them eat in Terminal 4 at the airport. There's like, <laughs> seriously, they got Lolo's chicken and waffles there. That's so good. That's a great restaurant. The, the airport is, I'd say the Phoenix airport is legitimately a great place to yeah. eat food. It is. Um, yeah. So I had an experience last night. I was telling Jake about it this morning. Um, So we had a conversation this morning. Uh, I was invited to this event uh, that was part of one of our fundraisers. And it was at this, this club in downtown Bakersfield. It was literally the door was in an alleyway. Cool. And um, normally not a good sign. Yeah. Normally not a good sign, (laughs) but 
it worked out. Um, <clears throat> so it was like a speakeasy theme type thing. This this club was 20 by 30 feet. Total? Probably less. Wow. It, yeah, it was it, like it was smaller than my dad's shop. And there was like 20 of us and we had a, a bar in there and, and, you know, we were just ordering drinks that were themed, <clears throat> but uh, they had this guy parked outside. And I've seen this a few times in Bakersfield. I, it must be like a, a thing here where people have a trailer that is their food delivery system, not a food truck, it's a food trailer. I've seen like tacos done this way. I've seen, you know, snow cones done this way, but this guy his trailer had a wood fire grill on it. So he was doing wood fire pizzas on the side of the road for our event. Huh. And he had, it was, you know, a little wood fire thing. He was making these wood fired pizzas um, and just baking them and, and serving them on the table outside the door. So, so, is, so is he oh, standing so alongside the trailer? Yeah, as- just cooking it. He had a, he had a pop-up next to it. And so he could prep everything. So did he bring it in or have somebody bring it in or it was on the table. So for us to go get the food, we walked outside into the alley where there was a table with pizza on it. That was cut. It was good. It was real good. Hmm. I mean, it's just every, the way you're saying it just sounds so dirty and suspect. It was, yeah, we picked up the table. We picked (laughs) off the food from a table in the alley. It was delicious. Like, it's a speakeasy. I don't know what you want me to tell you. It was a nice like, night out. We ate like third world country. Yeah, oh. no, I think I think a decadence is eating, is putting yourselves in situations that sound like they're terrible, but they're actually awesome, right? Yeah, no, no that, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> that's what the first world is all about. That's what camping yeah. is, right? Like, live yeah. like Attending refugees. Attending your poor for a weekend, yeah. That's true. <laughs> like... Pretend to be homeless and just go live in a tent. Or um, one of those things, and I, I've heard of this. I wanted to take my my wife on a date for this, but you go and you cook your own food and they teach you how to make it. <laughs> and then it's like you pay to cook your own food and eat your yeah. own food. When you I know, was a kid. Waited on, it's all on you. I don't know if it's still open, but in Madison, when I was a kid, there was this restaurant called the Prime Quarter and it was a steakhouse. And it was like, you went there, you point it to the steak you wanted and then they hand it to you and then you cook it yourself at your table. Like there's a big griddle and you cook <laughs> it. Cool. And my dad thought it was the fanciest restaurant in the world because you <laughs> got to pick your own steak and then cook it, which my dad being who he was, I understood he didn't trust anyone else to cook his own meat. Like that's a very Mark <laughs> Ryan's um, type thing. But like, that's what his idea of a fancy restaurant was is I'll pay you to hand me a steak and then I'll cook it myself. Yeah. Such a, backwards way of doing opulence <laughs> i guess That's yeah there's cool. there's a place uh somebody was telling me about in town where they they do that here and you go and they do one serving a night and then you can pay extra to go through and cook it yourself and they they the reason you're paying extra is because they're taking extra effort to walk you through the process yeah. and i guess it's kind of an experience but not one that i'm too keen on i just kind of want to eat my food as somebody makes it for me right but well, it'd be like if you if you go to a hotel for a weekend 
and they say, all right, you can go clean up your own room and like dress it down and get it all right. Like it's ridiculous in other situations, but with food, we're like, and we charge extra for that. Yeah. We're going (laughs) to teach you how to clean a hotel room. Oh, great. What an experience. (laughs) But yeah, that would take the, 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 the broom service or the, uh, the cleaning service people longer to teach you how to do that stuff than to just do it themselves. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That makes sense. Again, mechanic teaches you how to change your own oil and charges you but, double for you know, it. At the same time, for those of us that are, you know, a little more frugal, what I, I want to be able to go to a restaurant and negotiate the price of my meal. <laughs> hey, what if I bust my own table? Am, am I going to get 25% off? What if I wash my own dishes? Am I going to get percent off? What if I yeah. pour my own drinks? Like, like how low can you go? And, and it needs to be like a tiered system. I love it. I think that's the best idea I've heard in a while. Oh, man. Remember when we, remember when we proposed the discount daycare center, Thrifty Baby? Thrifty that's baby, what this reminds yeah. me of, but for a restaurant. <laughs> Frugal foods. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> no oh, man ever would uh, take us up on Thrifty Baby, but the dads would be all about it. Daycare, yeah. you know, it's $1,500 a month if you have a couple of kids. If you have one, one in diapers, God help you. Yeah. You know, if if a couple of dads are, are standing around, you know, we'll keep the kids alive. They're not going to be in a stimulating environment, but, mm-hmm. you know, we'll keep them safe. We'll, you know, give them a little they'll be, outside. They'll be safe. They'll be fed. Time. They'll be clean. Yeah. You know, yeah. we'll keep them alive at a deep and discount. For a nominal fee. Oh, I I I think Uh, it's just a matter of time. We got a name, we got a shtick. Obviously, we're great marketers. You know, we've proven ourselves that. Yeah. Oh man, that's great. Thrifty baby. Well, (laughs) thrifty baby. Um, Eric, you were telling me on this this date night that you did. You know, at the speakeasy, which. We'll get back to it if I remember, but um, didn't you say the guy was like a producer or like a production guy? Uh, yeah. So yeah, we, uh, he has a, he's an investor in a production company and they've done a couple of movies, including lights out, which was a horror film, but they also did yes day, which is a good movie, which is, a really fun movie. And he was telling me, yeah. you know, he's talking through it. Um, I asked him like, what's your kind of like hands-on involvement? And he's like, well, I'm essentially an investor, but I talk to all the people involved. So they were going to get like kids from his son's class to like be in a, in a, in and be extras in a part of the movie. But for whatever reason, the, the union shut that down. Um, this, the I guess Screen Actors Guild shut that down. They wouldn't allow that any extras or something. It was, but yeah, it was it was fun chatting with him. Um, turns out we have the same taste in fantasy novels, which was kind <clears> of <throat> wild. You know, you see these people in and out um, as school parents, and you're like, oh, you're a professional. You you've done a lot of great work professionally in your life you're successful all this kind of stuff oh and you also like nerdy fantasy novels like myself i've obviously 
you know, I've misstepped somewhere if successful people like fantasy novels too. So, yeah. um, well, and I, as you were telling I don't understand me about, why Cameron finds that so funny. He's just, <laughs> I felt it too. Not the, <laughs> not the fantasy novels, but the, the successful thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why are you successful? Well, right. and maybe here's why is because Eric has this sit down meeting with this guy that produces legit movies and he doesn't say, Hey, I got a podcast <laughs> that you could fund. Like, yeah, missed yeah, up. Not very self promotional. Maybe that's why. It's true. Yeah. So, I'm sorry. I mean, you just got to meet up with him again. And yeah, I think I want to wear one of my shirts to my teacher meeting tomorrow. There you go. Nice. Well, is yeah, and I still have a, a teacher. The fa- isn't every single member of the faculty like avid listeners at this point? I'd I'd like to hope so, but. Wow. One of them, she, uh, one of our uh, teachers, she really wants us to do an episode on horses in history, and I, I've pitched it a couple times. I think it'd be a good one, but she rides horses, so it's it's my anti-horse agenda. That's yeah, I know. Kibosh <laughs> on that. Sorry, it's really rough. Jake yeah. is a known horse hater. Yeah, horse hater. Or goats or nothing. Yeah, now that'd be a good one because. Uh, it was a Caligula. He was the one that rode his horse across the bus, the the river in Rome. I forget what that river is, but he had ships. Uh, he rode his horse across it because he thought river, he was Alexander. Not Rubicon. Incarnate. No, that's north. Anyways, it's that's Tiberi- It's the Tiber. The Tiber. Yeah, he rode his horse across the Tiber. Um, Alexander's horse. Bucephalus. I think it was Bucephalus. Yeah. Yeah. And then Warhorse. Um well Warhorse is fictional, but Sergeant Reckless. Sergeant Reckless, that's from what Korea. But there there's yeah. the US, there's several famous American horses. There's the Lepizoners that Patton saved. Uh were a type of breed that were only existed somewhere in Europe and he went out of his way to make sure they remained safe and then brought them back to the United States. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, didn't Napoleon have a special horse? I think so. I think Washington did too. Oh yeah. Wash. Oh, what yeah, was, he did. um, one of, uh, Washington's horses was named, he named him George, I think. How <laughs> <laughs> on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I got to find that. I got to make sure that's that's accurate because the most. Yeah. Uh, well, no. The most famous horse of all, Mr. Ed. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking Secretariat. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. How about that? Dr- it says Nelson and Blueskin were two of Washington's favorite horses. No. I'm I'm looking for it because I Nelson and Blueskin, but he had others. <clears throat> Unless I'm I'm thinking of someone else. Um, I feel like I've heard a, a story about this too. Well, this is why we need to do the episode. Yeah, the horse episode. All right, horse. 
There's the USC horse traveler. USC. So, yeah, the uh, the horse that they have all at all their football games that Tommy the Trojan rides in on. Oh, Leonidas was one of his horses. Hmm. As is Samson. Man, those are quite the names. Good names. Traveler, Magnolia. I want to say he had a horse that he named for like, <clears throat> I don't know. Okay. We'll have to do that episode. Yeah. That'd be a good one. There's a lot of good horses out there. Um, so totally not about horses, but this, the way my mind works spurred this. So I was, I've been riding my bike recently um, as a way to stay in shape because I didn't go to the gym for a year because of COVID and all that stuff. And even though I can now, I just don't really want to, like, I don't want to pay for a gym membership. <laughs> and so I bought a bike and uh, I've been riding my bike a couple times a week and I've, I've really enjoyed it. But then I was like, well, what's the history of the bicycle? Like when was the bicycle invented? Was it recent or was it not? And I was looking up on it and it was built, it was originally, I think in 1817, a German um, Baron, I think it's, let me look for his, I forgot his name, invented what we would consider the first bike. Um, Carl von Dreis invented the first bicycle in 1817. Um, but that bike was, it didn't have any pedals. And so you just sat on it and it propelled you um, you just use your feet to kick along the, the road. And then it got, got it. Bike. what? Like they do for kids now. The, the exactly. Balance bike. That's, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. It was a big balance hmm. bike. And, and then later they added the, the chain and gear system and pedals so that you could propel it. Um, hmm. and one of the early is, uh, often called a hobby horse and, uh, and then some of the earlier bikes with gears and the wheels, cause they didn't have like rubber wheels yet. And so they were called bone shakers cause it was just so jarring to ride on them. But you know, you're able to, to move around. Um, but I was thinking, and I don't know why, but in the military, in the arm, you know, in, in all these wars and conflicts over thousands of years, the, the army that could move fastest had an advantage. And how ridiculous would it have been if one of these commanders, you know, in the 1800s, it said, our infantry is going to have bicycles and that's how we're <laughs> going to, that's how we're going to move around. You still have your cavalry on horses, but bikes are a lot cheaper than horses. And if we can move our infantry via bicycle that gives us a logistical advantage and just to see thousands of French and German soldiers biking to the battle would be hilarious to me. Well, how about this? I'm, I'm looking at uh, some website and it says in 1885, the British army started using bicyclists as scouts. Oh, okay. So how about that? There you go. It's not a bad idea. I mean, the Germans used a lot of motorcycles. Mm -hmm. So bicycles make a lot less noise. Right. Yeah. 
I'm guessing that terrain plays a big part in. Yeah. You wouldn't want you have a, a column of 50,000 infantry cycling. <laughs> they'd move faster, but, but they'd be, you're also removing, uh, they're going to be more spread out. So they might be less effective. I don't know. That's a very I, curious. Well, I'm not necessarily saying like, all right, we've got to do a one bikes ride to the battle, like one day's ride to the battle, but more like if you've got to traverse hundreds of miles to get to the front or whatever it is, and you can do that via bicycle, this is before rail, right? Really becomes a thing. So it's kind of this weird spot where Horses are still the, the fastest way to get around. Trains aren't. Yeah, but horses aren't even, they aren't used for men unless you're cavalry. Yeah. For, horses are used for cannons. and. So the guys. fastest you can move is how far you can walk in a day, which yeah. is 20 to 30 miles. But if you have a, a, a some sort of force, some lightning strike bike force out there to, I don't know. I mean, not, the, the Norwegians and Swedish had, uh, you know, patrols on skis. Right? That was the best way to get around. It was actually very quick. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is, maybe we don't know that this is how the Dutch are actually defending the Netherlands. The Trion <laughs> biking all over. Maybe. I don't know. It's just random thought that popped in my head. If after this guy invented the bicycle in 1817, if Germany militarized it and Started oh, sweeping oh, yeah. across. Just sweeping assume across. that Germany would militarize it. They would. Well, he was a German baron, so that's why I would think Germany oh, would get yeah, the first crack sense. at it. Yeah. I like Eric's response to that better. Yeah. He gets he gets a little offended. How dare you? <laughs> but honestly, they're the ones who are gonna do it, right? They would, yeah. yeah. Gosh. So anyway. Do you think like the high command would have been on unicycles? <laughs> They've been really perched up, little <laughs> scouts. Did I well, and, okay. and they've got the riding boots, so their pants aren't going to get caught in the gears. Good call. <laughs> it's, this is before they had uh, dirigibles and uh, dirigibles. Bomb. What are those those hot air balloons where they used to scout the train? Like we said in the Russo-Japanese War, so you got these guys on these high unicycles to scout ahead. <laughs> I don't know. Did I tell you? No, I posted a photo of it a few weeks ago when I was going to buy my bicycle. Honestly, I bought my bike and I was driving home um, and I was at a stop sign or a stoplight and a guy on a unicycle goes across the crosswalk. But it's like a really nice, expensive unicycle. Like this looks like how this guy gets to and from work every day is on this really tricked out, nice fat tire and comfortable seat okay. unicycle. So I've noticed around. a lot, a lot of the fat tire bikes uh, in more recent years that are yeah. like for like because my bicycle has road tires, very narrow, small tires. Mm -hmm. I don't know what kind of bike you have, Jake. If it's a mountain bike or it's a hybrid, it's, so it's like a hybrid road bike. So it's a little bit thicker than a, a regular road bike, but not very. But it's not I've a seen bike. ones with like the big tires, and I was kind of mm -hmm. curious about that. You know, they're they're more for like the road and the sidewalk and the things you're going to ride over, but also like you can legitimately ride them on sand. Mm -hmm. I've seen bikes at the beach. Wide enough base. Uh-huh. Yeah. Those big beach cruisers. No, but like on the sand, that's, yeah. yeah. it blew my mind. I couldn't believe that when I first saw it. 
Well, and I think that because the tires are so big, it's a little bit more comfortable ride too, because it's got a little more cushion. So when you hit a bump, it doesn't mm. jar as much. So I think that's part of why there's such fat tired bikes is they're a little more comfortable. I don't know. Cause I don't have, that's not what I ride, but I, I'm, I'm thinking that's part of the logic behind it. But yeah, I've seen a lot of those as well, especially now that I have been riding more. Um, seen a lot of bikes like that as I'm riding. Hmm. I've seen a lot of bikes with the, the electric motors too. I don't know. It just seems more and more popular people yeah. riding with the electric motors, which in my mind defeats the purpose of getting a bike. You know, it's like you can pedal it, but why would you? Cause it's got the motor. I don't scooters know. are pretty awesome though. I mean, you, you must not have been a member of the scooter club as I, I was not, but no. Yeah. There's something about a scooter. Those are so nostalgic. Yeah. I get that. The scooter, I get that. But like you, you never used the scooter, but you were kicking the pavement to make it move. Like you were just using the motor. Like these bikes have pedals, but then they've also got a motor that uh, propels it. It's like, why would you just fair. get them? Just get the motorbike. I don't know why you get. I don't. I don't know why you use the pedals at all. Fair. Are they are they just for show or like when show pedals goes maybe. out in that? Like, can you transfer it to pedal power? Yeah, yeah I think so. I think you can pedal. I don't know. Maybe the pedals recharge the motor. I don't know, but change the gas mileage or fix the gas mileage. <laughs> yeah. So hmm. anyway, militarized bicycle force. So we need to pitch to the Pentagon. I'm sure they'll be all over it. Oh, uh, they hear us. Yeah. yeah they're listening right now. So, um, Oh, real quick. I never did my dad front story. So, uh, I was able to hang out with my uncle and my aunt came to visit me in Utah this week. Um, the, my aunt and uncle were on a, a trip across country and uh, went to the Grand Canyon for a couple of days. And then they swung up to, to Ogden for a couple of days. And uh, it was really nice seeing them. We went to Antelope Island, which is right there in the middle of Salt Lake. And um, I just had a really good time. So it was, it was really cool to see them. And I felt like I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't bring it up. And uh, Antelope Island is uh, quickly becoming a Ryan's family favorite. No, it is. Well, it's, yeah, it's the second time we've gone there. So they came up and were like, "What do I, what do we want to do with them?" Like, there's a nice park by our house, and there's like a dinosaur park that the kids really like. I'm like, "Yeah, but that's not like a that's not like a thing you do when you come yeah. to Utah." Yeah. So like, well, let's go to Antelope Island because it's in the Salt Lake, and you can go to the beach, and there's some trails and stuff, and and so we did, and. Then we had dinner afterwards at a nice little restaurant in Ogden and it was awesome. It was a great time. Hmm. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, it is, it's becoming a, a Ryan's thing. Something, I don't know if you can call it a habit yet, but it's, it's on its way. Once it's an event, two is a coincidence, three is a habit. So if I go again, then we'll say it's a habit. Yeah. <laughs> on the merge. Yeah. Yeah. It looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. A lot of buffalo on Antelope Island. Not very many antelope. Tons of buffalo. So I, I don't know if it's a named, well-named island, but here it's we are. Shaped like an antelope or something? I mean, there's some antelope. There's like a few, but there's hundreds of buffalo. I don't. Huh. I just don't know why they call it Antelope Island. Um, yeah, it was a really cool time. It was really, and you get some really great views of the city and the mountains. 
um, from some of those trails and obviously the lake. Hmm. So I don't know. You guys got anything else? Get on before we sign off. I mean, off I, I, I do. I wanted to talk about the atomic bomb and what we talked about this morning, but I think that that requires that's going to be an episode. We're going to talk about that later. Yeah, that's not just something you can bring up. And because <laughs> the way you were describing it, there's a lot that you wanted to, to cover. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a heavy on. topic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he, he didn't even start the conversation about the atomic bomb. He started the conversation about this bomb built like in the 60s that oh, the Russians made. Like they said, did you ever heard about this bomb? I'm like, no. He's, well, you remember the atomic bomb at Nagasaki. <laughs> this one is way bigger than that. Like, okay. So we've got some work to do for of Eric to bring up uh, a soft question. Yeah, and then, great. Boom. Punch him in the face. You ever heard of this? No. Okay, idiot. Well, here's what I'm going to tell <laughs> exactly. you. Exactly. Oh, all right. Thanks, man. Why are you so dumb? All right, I'll have to tell the story, I guess. So take that, multiply it by 10,000, and that's one half of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Ba- and that's pretty exactly. much exactly how he framed it. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah, we have to talk about that. We'll have to do research for an episode. But, yeah, wait. Before we go next week, we're doing our movies draft, 2000s movies. So we'll have a couple guest speakers. Uh, Randy will be on. I think Terrence will be back as well. Have we so reached out to your 2000 movies? Well, I know Randy's, Randy's in. Go. I believe Randy's Terrence go. is in. I'll follow up with him this week. But yeah. Um, so get your 2000s movies ready. Same format as we did for the 90s. Same categories too? Sweet. Yeah, I don't think the categories have changed. All right. I've already started some research, so, you know, no big deal. Got a couple of things. Watching some 2000s movies. So you're doing. Well, we had our Coal Creek um, company picnic last weekend. And obviously Randy was up there for that. And he's like, he's like, I've been doing, I'm ready. Like, you better get, get ready because I'm ready. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't realize it was already about to happen. (laughs) Yeah, it's a week away. I'm like, man, I better... And then we started talking about a bunch of movies. I'm like, man, yeah, there are just a ton of good 2000s movies. I didn't think there would be, but there's going to be some good ones. Yeah. All right. Solid. Can't wait. Well, let's wrap up this episode of Dab Out of History. I guess Dab Out After Dark. Mm. And uh, make sure you guys like, subscribe, follow, and we'll see you all next week. (laughs) Did you just peace out?